Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, Merry Christmas and a very warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. It's just gone midday Australian Eastern Daylight Time, which means once again, it's time for the call. Two experts, one hour. And uh, frankly, this is the last show for the year. And having done this almost every day for almost 50 weeks, I think we've come close to covering the entire market. So thank you for sending in lots of great suggestions. Uh, and of course, if you're watching this uh, at a later date, it's uh, Thursday, the 23rd of December. My name's Andrew Page. And I've got some two very smart cookies here to help me get through the stocks that you have sent through today. First off, we've got Carl Capolingua from Think Markets. Carl, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good afternoon, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Uh, last but not least, hopefully for today's bunch of stocks. Yes, exactly right. Uh, hopefully on to bigger and bigger, better things for next year. Claude Walker from A Rich Life is here as well. G'day, Claude. Good to see you, mate. Good to see you, Carl. How are you going? Looking pretty rainy out the uh, window there, mate. Unfortunately, yeah, not a good day for the beach, but never mind. Hopefully it clears <laughs> up in time for Christmas. So look, all of our viewers know the drill well and truly by now. We are going to start off with a stock of the day. Full disclosure right up front. I've got shares in this company. <laughs> Might be a coincidence as to why it's stock of the day, but they do have a bit of news out today. Ava Risk Group announcing a new global agreement with a company called Dormacaba that helps uh, their distribution for their BQT security system uh, division. Claude, I'll start with you. Have you heard of these guys and what do you think? And be nice. Uh, yeah, no, I have. And I have actually in the past owned shares in them. Actually, there's an old uh, write-up on um, our website, a rich site about Ava Risk Group by uh, a fund manager that I admire, um, Steve McCarthy. And look, the, the thesis then was it was very under the radar and, and, and undervalued. You know, since then, the share price has gone up quite a lot. And a fair bit has happened. So I guess like the biggest thing that um, has happened in the last couple of years is that they have delivered on this large contract with the Indian government, which has definitely grown their profits quite considerably. Um, so what these guys do, you know, is they have a range of different security uh, solutions. They have the BQT business, which is mostly about secure locking, electronic locking, biometric locking, that kind of thing. And then they have the uh, future fiber business, which uh, basically as using fiber optic networks to uh, detect, you know, uh, perimeter breaches. And that's the uh, Indian government that was one of those um, customers in a licensing model, which is very high margin for the company. So that's been great news. That's really skyrocketed the product, the profits. And then what they've gone and done is they've sold uh, uh, their third division, uh, which is a security services business, which was doing quite well and growing quite well. Uh, but perhaps had less to do with IP and was more a services business. So that means I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this, Andrew, but I think they're at the moment like sort of uh, come a 16 cents capital return. So even yep. though the current share price is about 40 cents, if you buy now and hold on, in all likelihood, you will end up getting a 16 cents capital return. And so in a way, you're sort of paying 24 cents a share. So you know, one approach would be to like, certainly the approach I would take would be to pretend the share price is sort of at the moment, uh, you know, 24 cents per share and, and analyze it on that basis. Mm. Uh, now, if, if we do that, you know, basically the, the, the company's going to lose a little bit of profitability for the business that it's sold. And on top of that, its existing fiber business is it's coming off this large win from the Indian government. And so it is, even though they are trying to move that to more recurring maintenance service kind of business with their Aura IQ product, the existing business that's going to remain in the business is going to be a little bit lumpy and we don't know exactly what the profits will be going forward. Um, and, you know, because of that uncertainty, the, you know, if we make the adjustments that I was talking about before, it perhaps has after this capital return, you know, a 60 million market cap um, and maybe, you know, I don't know, four, six million sort of a bit that it could get in, in the next couple of years. Um, so it's not too expensive. And what we have to consider here is that the company is also buying back some of its shares. 
And given that there's reasonably good alignment with the board, you'd have to say that that probably means that if they're taking the long-term view, they think the company will be growing um, profits, notwithstanding the lumpiness of it. You know, they mentioned a couple of years ago they had a big um, major contract for their their locking business that they were mm. trying to get, which hasn't come through yet. Uh, I think as recently as May, they sort of said, you know, that's still in the pipeline. The locking part is the end of the contract. So, you know, it still might take a while for that to come through. If that comes through, it should be a good profit, Bruce. I think that overall, even though I don't buy share, I don't own shares in this myself, I suspect this is as a long-term holder, I suspect this is actually probably undervalued. The company is behaving in a way that suggests to me that they think that the stock is long-term undervalued. And so, you know, I would probably tentatively call this a buy just with the caveat that it's not quite one of the most compelling ideas, so I don't own it myself. Oh man, you know it very well for someone uh, who's <laughs> just on the sidelines there. Carl, what do you reckon? So Ava provides security for its customers. Can it provide any security for shareholders? Yeah, well, it's all about risk, isn't it? I mean, risk is in the name and risk is in the nature of the investment. And I think, uh, it's as Claude says, it's it's kind of management versus the market at the moment. So management, you know, putting the company's money uh, where their mouth is and they're buying back shares, uh, not a huge buyback, but about $1.5 million. It's largely complete. Obviously, we've got um, the capital return coming as well, which is interesting that... Um, you know, it's $42 million they're going to send back to investors and you would have hoped that they would have been able to find some more things to do with it, but um, it doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, management has a fair bit of skin in the game. They own about 20% of the companies. That's always good and so something that's very attractive to us. Uh, we had, uh, I know, Andrew, you're a holder. I know Claude's researched it in the past. We, we actually put this out as a buy back in February. It was about 62 cents a share. So it hasn't done, uh, we haven't done too well on that one. But, you know, it was just on the basis of, of just how much momentum they had uh, and how well we thought, you know, they've got some nice diversification spread of businesses there. Now, for us, they've sold a pretty key component of that business uh, in that services division because that was kind of the um, the, the stability uh, that I think allowed them the great foundation to then go and chase some of these um, these other contracts in the technology side of the business. So they they have sold that off, which is a little bit maybe frustrating for us. Um, and if you look at the last quarter report, it was the best performing uh, segment, and it's gone. Mm -hmm. uh, so it does it does it, you know. And like I said, that's at the start, it's all about risk now. So it makes it makes the earnings lumpier. They've lost about half of the profits, um, and they're going to be about twenty four cents compared to forty cents. Look, we we still like it, uh, having said everything I've said, and we still think um, the the, the valuation is not pressing. It's still quite attractive. Um, uh, forgetting the capital return and assuming it's about 40 cents now. Look, we think it's probably worth closer to 60 cents than where it is now, but um, the chart is not agreeing with us. And that's where, um, and this is the reality of investing, isn't it? So that the management thinks it's pretty, the company's pretty good. We think the company's pretty good, but the, the, the market doesn't. Either we're right uh, and the market's wrong or, or we're, we're wrong and the market's right. And I'm in the latter camp there where the market is always right, Andrew. You know my mm -hmm. my philosophy on, on trading. So um, on that basis, look, if you've, if you've bought it based upon our recommendation early, early in the year, I think there's enough in the chart to hang on to it. We're seeing uh, quite a bit of support coming around that sort of 35 level. It's been reinforced over the last couple of days with some nice white candles and a little bit of volume. So there's enough there to hold it, but I can't call it a buy for new investors right now. Yep, no, fair enough, Carl. So we'll put you down for a hold there. And look, this show is about the uh, stocks that you guys want to talk about, not the ones that I want to talk about. So let's get on with it. Robin has sent through uh, a, a company called Super Retail Group. Uh, SUL is the ticket code there. Very familiar company to a lot of people, I'm sure. Probably a lot of customers out there as well. Super Cheap Auto, BCF, Rebel Sport. Uh, Carl, I'll start with you on this one. They've had a pretty good track record uh, overall. And, and then, you know, like a lot of retailers, a nice bump uh, due to COVID <laughs> recently. Maybe that explains the very low PE on this stock. It's only at about 10. And we've talked a lot on this show. We've seen a lot of uh, examples of sort of demand that sort of been brought forward. Has the market got this one right, do you think? Or is there, is there an opportunity perhaps here? Yeah, look, 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 probably a bit of both, actually. I think, um, yeah, we, we, we've, we've seen a big bump from um, a benefit from COVID. So uh, a lot of, uh, uh, they own BCF, so I should tell viewers, they own uh, BCF, they own Rebel, and they own uh, Super uh, super Auto, Super, Super, Super Cheap, super cheap. <laughs> Auto Group. That's <laughs> yeah. the one. Um, uh, and you look at the uh, the growth in BCF, it's about 49% uh, year on year in FY21 to FY20. So that's been the major beneficiary, but, you know, Rebel and, and uh, the, the auto parts have done well also. Uh, and the big question going forward, so that's that's history. We all know that that's in the bag. The, 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 
and you, as you correctly say, trading at about uh, 10 times earnings. But if you look sort of at the broker forecasts, uh, that actually goes up to about 13, sort of 13 and a half over the next three financial years. So the brokers are expecting earnings to actually decline by, you know, somewhere around 20% uh, on average uh, over, over that time frame. So the I think there's an op- I think that does present an opportunity to answer your question. Is that I, I'm not as bearish as the brokers. I think I think they're going to hold on to a lot of the, that, those sales. I think we could go flat, uh, and and that and you might say, well, flat's not great <laughs> growth for a company, but but coming off what they've done, I think that's pretty good. And because the valuation is not pressing, then I think there's some upside here. Uh, the other thing is it's got a seven percent fully frank dividend yield, which I think they'll largely be able to hold on to. So for your income investors. Um, I think it's a tick for your value investors. I think it's a tick. Uh, we've got a fair value target of 1345, I want to say, but I better check my notes. Uh, 1345, so there's about 8% upside based upon yesterday's closing price, plus a 7% dividend. So total shareholder return, long-term self-managed super fund portfolio, I think it's fine. And the chart looks fine too. Long-term uptrend, it's pulled back a little bit, but it's still holding that trend. As you can see, more sort of a bottom left, top right since COVID. Uh, so on that basis, I'm happy to go for a buy. Having said that, if you are a growth investor and you're looking for bags of return, this is clearly not the one for you. Yeah, it's so important to add that context, isn't it? Because a buy can mean different things for different styles of investors. So uh, yeah, good context there, Carl. Claude, what do you make of our super retail group? I think this is an interesting one. I won't cover the same ground that Carl just said, but suffice it to say, I largely agree with what he was saying. I do think that the market is too negative on these COVID beneficiary style stocks. Uh, basically, you've seen a lot. I mean, I think I want to introduce this idea where you have, just like you have people that are reacting differently to COVID, you have businesses that are reacting differently. You have the businesses that um, basically there's nothing they can do. They're always going to get wrecked by COVID. So maybe, you know, tourism businesses or gym business or something like that. Mm. You have businesses um, that are so resilient, like their power infrastructure companies or something, it just doesn't make any difference to them. And then you have, you know, in the middle businesses that need to and should react to COVID and readjust the way that they operate. And then you have the ones that are basically um, are doing it and they are reacting to COVID and they're trying to play the field that is in front of them. And then you have the businesses that are sitting back and saying, oh, you know, COVID's wrecked us, but we promise it's going to get better after COVID goes away. Um, I don't invest in those last ones, but Super Retail Group, if you listen to what they're saying and what they're doing, they are just trying to adapt. You know, they're a business that has to adapt and they are. They're online sales for their businesses that, you know, facilitate online sales, such as BCF, such as MacPack, such as Rebel Sport. You know, online sales are rocketing. These guys are getting, you know, they're permanently leaning into being omni-channel retailers. They are going to emerge from covid stronger business a stronger business than when they uh went into it because they are one of the companies that is facing up to reality and doing the right thing so for that reason i do agree with carl's long-term take that this is one you could buy and hold now if we just zoom into the more the near term in the first wave of covid uh you know what we had was lockdowns and massive stimulus so people had heaps of money to spend on a new tent to spend on new Um, adventure gear and that's exactly the kind of thing that people were spending on and on their cars because cars and outdoors adventures is exactly what you want to be doing during COVID. Mm. So that stimulus was part of the driver. Now we're probably not going to see that stimulus again but we probably will continue to see disruption from COVID. I hope we do still see stimulus where necessary but we probably won't and we may not. So To me, that says probably just for that reason, I think a lot of discretionary retailers are going to have a tougher time in the next year or so. So for that reason, it would just have to be a hold for me at best. I am not, I'm certainly not pushing into that difficult uh, discretionary retail space at the moment. As you know, I'm more into the sticky software that you can't just turn off like that without crashing your whole company. So that's more what I want to do. But uh, yeah, still a good business and they're doing the right things. So a hold for me. Yeah, that's another point worth making as well. There's, there's, I said at the start, right, there's 2,000 odd companies. Often when it's not a buy, it's not because it's a terrible investment. It's just in the eyes of of, uh, the experts, there might be better alternatives. So something else to ponder there. Claude, let's stay with you. Osteopore uh, is a pretty small uh, company here, 27 million market cap. This was sent in uh, via Twitter by Chris. The company code is OSX. 
Look, it really hasn't uh, had a great uh, run of late uh, since listing in late 2019. Is there some hope here, Claude? Well, I'm glad you went straight to me on this one because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about in terms of the kind of company that I would avoid because of the way that they are not coping properly with COVID. They, I checked out all of their stuff and they're basically saying, um, you know, uh, in the last 18 months, circumstances have prevented us from providing the necessary training and support for surgeons. So that what that's telling me is in 18 months, they have not figured out how to product in a COVID world. So, you know, just on that alone, it would be, that is not the kind of management language that I'm looking for when I'm looking for an investment, not at all. And, you know, what they're actually doing is they're selling like scaffolds that can help uh, people heal their heads better if they've had or, you know, their bones better if they've had some sort of massive accident and stuff. But these guys are still very uh, small. So they've got a product and, you know, they say for various reasons that they think it's a better product. But, you know, they have a huge job in rolling this out and getting surgeons trained on it. And they're not making that much progress over the last 18 months, according to their own words. So if you look at their little um, receipts from customers, I think it was $272,000 in last quarter. Like, you know, I'm pretty sure that you might own a pretty soon, Andrew, you know, a bigger business than this. It's a small business. Um, it's a small business that's saying that it can't grow properly because of COVID. Um, and it's got 6 million cash, but it's burning at least 1 million a quarter. So that to me says that these guys are not on top of the current situation. They're going to need to raise capital soon. You know, I'm sure Carl will talk to the, to the share price, but this is not the right time for me. I would not hold it. I would not buy it. I need to have a business that is playing the field in front of it, which is a COVID world, not waiting for COVID to disappear. Okay, thanks for that, Claude. Uh, Carl, what do you make of Osteopore? Yeah, I was just uh, checking those quarterly reports as uh, Claude was speaking, and um, I had an average here in my notes of about $750,000 a quarter they're burning. And I just want to check the cash in bank. So just for, for viewers, um, these quarterly reports for these small businesses are so crucial. It, it, to be honest, it's the first place I go because it's money in versus money out. And you want to find uh, there's a line in here, and I'm literally looking at it off screen now, uh, viewers. It says uh, net cash used in operating activities. Uh, and that is that's sort of the lifeblood of the company. So when you see one of these small companies go from this um, negative operating cash flow to positive operating cash flow, that's when I think you really want to start, uh, start to pay attention to them. So this one is negative to the tune of about $750,000 a quarter. And then scroll down, scroll down, keep scrolling down now, because the next line you want to look at is cash and cash equivalents in the bank. So how much they're burning per quarter versus how much they've got the bank. And then you can work out pretty quickly how many quarters they've got until they need to raise some more money. And you're probably going to get diluted if you don't want to buy any more of this stuff, which mm. is in a big, long-term downtrend, as you can see on screen. Mm. So there are some major challenges here in terms of the financials. In terms of the product, oh God, I hope it's, I hope they succeed. I mean, what a great product, you know, re regenerating bone tissue, yeah. bio-reabsorbable, -re you know, I hope, you know, one of these great Aussie med tech um, stories, uh, slash Singaporean, of course, but, you know, but I do hope they succeed. And, and um, look, they were actually tracking pretty well with their sales until the, the last quarter where it all seems to have uh, fallen apart. Um, in terms of their sales, it's just Southeast Asia at the moment. So Singapore, South Korea, Vietnam, they've got, um, they've, uh, you know, they've, they've they're trying to get approvals for your other geographic regions, your Australia, US, uh, and in Europe. And they're kind of saying, well, that's kind of a, a you know, a next year, late next year into 23, 24 uh, sort of thing. And then as Claude says, you've got to invest in training surgeons and getting sales and Salesforce. And so there's so far to go. It's yeah. still early. They're burning a lot of money. They're probably going to ask you for more capital before too long. And the chart tells you the story. So the problem for investors is they, they look at this, they look at the top line, they look at the headline, they go, wow, what a fantastic product. But unfortunately, the reality under the surface is it could take years and years and years before it becomes you know, a commercially viable product that yeah. then you can invest in. So on that basis, it's a no for me. Yeah, and, and that's a pretty familiar story too in this medtech space as well. So something to be to be aware of investors. Chris, hopefully that has helped you. Gents, let's, I'm, I'm just mindful of uh, my form here on this show. So let's try and kick it up a gear or two because we <laughs> are absolutely going to run out of time if we don't. Um, Carl, I'll stick with you. Marley oh, we, Spoon. Sorry, Claude. Yeah. The, uh, oh, I was we gonna have say, all this the is a quick one. ones up front. Yeah, that's yeah. true, true. Um, yeah, you know, so... And that's, and that, yeah, that's the thing. Not I mean, look, this, you know, it's terrible. I'll go. I'll let you go, Carl. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, look, I mean, uh, you know, I, and I love being on with Claude because I know he does his research as well, and as do I. And, and viewers should know we, we spend a lot of time researching these companies before we come on to give them um, our best views on them. And, uh, you know, I love talking companies. But let's, like you say, we can um, we can move through this one pretty quickly. Uh, Marley Spoon, um, look, uh, the, the big problem, if you look at the chart, um, is a big drop around the last quarterly update, which is 29th October. They reported that uh, their sales growth was now about 14%. Now, it'd been in the 30s prior to that. So market, um, extremely disappointed. That's that big drop in October you can see on the chart. Uh, now, 14% sales growth is fine if you're Coles and Woolworths. In fact, if you're Coles and Woolworths, you would kill for 14% sales growth. All right. But this thing is trading on a PE of about 200 times FY24 earnings. That's mm. if they get there. So 14% isn't enough to justify the earnings. So regardless of the story, regardless of the hype, there is very little in terms of a, a valuation case to invest in Marley Spoon, even though it's a fraction of the price today than where it was just a year ago. Incidentally, pre-COVID, it was around about 20 cents. It's probably worth about that much. Uh, the last time I covered this one on the call was in August. It was 180. Uh, I called it a sell. Uh, if it got below 180, I should say, and that would have been uh, a pretty good a pretty good thing mm. to follow. I can't see any reason to buy it now. My uh, logic has not changed. Yep, no, fair enough. Hey, Cole, um, sorry, Claude, what do you think? We chatted about this on a podcast recently. You did, I think I missed that one. Um... But uh, look, you know, I think that the story, I, you know, I think that we can check out that Baby Giants podcast if you like. But the point is that for me, the story with Marley Spoons, that three year chart just tells it. Right. So prior to COVID, this was like not a healthy looking business at all. Um, it was burning a lot of cash. It wasn't growing that easily. And, you know, what happened with COVID is the dynamics of the customer acquisition costs to LTV massively changed. So at the Prior to COVID, there were sort of two main very high-profile options for this buy-your-own-meal pack and have it delivered, right? And they were HelloFresh and Marley Spoon. And then COVID came, and suddenly the, you know, the attraction of just having the meals delivered to your home massively increased, right? So um, you don't want to go out to a restaurant so much. You probably want to avoid the supermarket if you can. So the as a result of that, the customer acquisition cost goes down because in my friendship group, everyone's sending each other the free get started on Marley Spoon for, you know, whatever. You get a few meals free to try it out. And everyone's sending that to each other. Everybody's trying it all at once. CAC goes down massively. Meanwhile, the people you've already got, are they not going to quit their Marley Spoon right in the, like, the pandemic's kicking off and they really don't want to go to restaurants anymore? So, of course apparent churn goes down as a result of the pandemic and you look like you've got way better metrics then you turn around and spend heaps of money on trying to grow and you only grow 14 percent you know the other thing carl um along with what carl said and he nailed it is that they also downgraded guidance right so um i was just having this whole argument you know a, a few months ago with a friend of mine who was long this stock and he's telling me how you know oh but the cap to ltv the cap to ltv yeah that can change that is not set in stone and more to the point even if the pandemic goes on forever this was never a high moat business as much as people think like a lot of different players can deliver food to your door in various different ways they just happen to be already ready to rock and roll when the when the pandemic hit now you're going to have mm. more competition come in that's going to push up um customer acquisition costs as well so for me you know this business is going back to being an ordinary business and i wouldn't i wouldn't touch it at current prices yeah maybe at 20 cents 40 cents i would but definitely not now not even 40 cents uh, it's no it's just a no from me okay okay so it's gotten a lot cheaper but it needs to get a lot cheaper still is the take-home message there let's uh, Claude, I'm going to stick with you. Infratel uh, IFT is the code. Seb has sent this one in, a New Zealand-based investment company. It's got some interests in things like airports, uh, energy, wind farms, that kind of stuff. Um, it's been a bit of a lumpy business, uh, and I think that makes the fine and just the nature of their business makes the financials uh, a bit more difficult to read than might otherwise be the case. But uh, is is this one that you know, Claude? Look, it's, it's not one that I know super closely because obviously it's like a large capital intensive business because what they do is they're developing wind farms. Um, or sorry, they're developing all manner of renewable energy. They um, have data centers. They have interest in radiology. They have interest in retirement homes, right? So 
capital intensive businesses, not usually where I'm attracted um, as a high growth investor. And, you know, basically that, that takes it out for me. But is this more your classic father-in-law kind of stock that might be interesting? Well, you could argue that it is basically, you know, you've got to think of this as um, a company that, you know, will pay a dividend. The dividends might go up and down with their, um, their needs for capital. But right now, uh, the, the need for capital is pretty low because they've got uh, no debt and net cash, I think. So basically, it looks pretty good to me. You've got to keep in mind, renewable energies and data centers are going to be long-term tailwind growth stocks, uh, growth businesses. So even though this is, you know, actually a pretty um, slow, slow-growing business, if you look at its, you know, um, the kind of businesses it works in, uh, I think it has long-term tailwinds, and I like that about it. And on top of that, if you are worried about inflation, having a whole bunch of like physical assets and projects and stuff like that could also work out in in its favor. So it's totally investable. I'll give it a hold because it's not really my style. But you know, if I, you know, it's the kind of business that I might. I can definitely see myself buying this kind of business one day. It's just I'm too young to do that at the moment. But, yeah, it looks good to me. Okay. Uh, Carl, I think maybe the chart we had up on the screen was a bit deceptive. It looked ridiculously flat. I don't think that's the actual situation. What can you tell us in terms of the price action? Yeah, it's a little a little bit flat, but not that, that flat. Um, so Claude's too young for this one. Uh, Andrew, so maybe you and I might be more in the in the demographic, yeah, uh, but I, I, I do think it's it is a bit more of a a, a long term again a sort of uh, invest investors portfolio. Um, it's the yield is not huge though, so two percent unfranked. I'm pretty sure. Uh, look, the gist of this one is uh, these guys will take your money and invest it in, based upon their track record, a bunch of really good stuff that you couldn't go out and buy yourself even if you wanted to, okay, because you don't have the size and the scope and the scale and the and the analysis. And that's what this is about. So it's really kind of, they're kind of like a fund manager buying a bunch of big assets. As Claude said, renewable energy is a major focus now, data centers, and more recently um, into radiology practices, which I don't agree with. And I don't think that's a great strategic move, uh, but tick, tick on the first two. Um, long story short on this one, uh, because we do need to get to a buy hold. So I think, you know, there's nothing in it to hold it on the valuation. It's not a cheap one, 53 times earnings, but it has traded higher in the past. And that just kind of gives you an insight into the the high regard that the market holds this one too. So um, a lot of quality in there and a very steady performer, great track record. The chart is still bottom left, top right. So I like it from, from that regard. Yes, maybe that one on screen isn't uh, completely accurate, but it's not too far off in, in fact where it is. Uh, so on the basis of, of a very solid chart, if you've got it, absolutely hang on to it. Uh, if you don't have it, there's a little bit of upside here, but it's just not exciting enough. I'm a growth investor. I said before, you've got your value, your, your income investors and your growth investors. I'm more in that second camp. So it won't be one I'll personally be buying. Yep, definitely. Horses for courses. Carl, talk to me about PropTech Group. I hadn't heard of these ones before. Uh, PTG is the yep. code Phil's written in. So apparently providing software for real estate agents. And this is what stood out for me when I had a quick look. 41% of real estate agents in Australia and New Zealand apparently use this software. So what, what can you tell us about the stock? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I hadn't heard about it until I got the, uh, the note for uh, this session and uh, did the deep dive on it and it looked pretty impressive uh, from what I've seen. Everything seems to be going in the right direction on this one, as you say, 40%, 41% of the market and they are the dominant player in that market. The next biggest has got about 16%. So that sort of size and scale and a little bit of sort of the gorilla in the market gives them a great ability to increase that, uh, that leverage. Um, obviously, when I talk about leverage, probably their biggest leverage is to the, the domestic property market and to, to a much lesser extent, the New Zealand property market. So, so that could create some volatility in earnings as well. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend I, I have any idea uh, where the property market's going to be in 12 or 24 months. But uh, it, it is leveraged to the activity in those markets. So the number of sales, uh, the number of inspections, uh, you know, rental turnover. Uh, and they really do have um, a great sort of suite of uh, software based products. That, uh, that really comprehensively cover anything your real estate agent might need to do. So from, you know, setting up uh, listings, to adding photos for listings, putting watermarks on, silly little things like that, to working out um, sales representatives, commissions, uh, and things like that. So, you know, uh, to their marketing. So a really great piece of kit, um, nice margins in the business. Uh, I did a valuation on it. We, I had a fair value here of 81 cents. 
which is massive upside. Uh, but then you have to go, well, either I'm uh, I'm missing something the market is, because if you look at the, the chart, uh, we, we, we're not quite there. We're at 50 cents and we're sort of trending lower. So um, as a result of the research, it is one I'm going to keep a very, very, very close eye on, because when that chart does turn up, it's telling me that the market is starting to see these wonderful things I'm seeing, and therefore it's time for me to jump on board. Uh, but whilst it's in this short-term downtrend, which is it in, it's in, whilst this long-term trend has really is really suffering and it started to turn down, uh, there's not a lot I can do with it. Uh, if I'm not on and viewers are wondering, you know, when will that time come? I think if it's starting to trade in the mid-60s, then it's going to look very interesting from there. But so it's a it's a hold if you've got it on the basis of the valuation, the prospectivity, but not a buy based upon the chart. Okay, there you go, Phil. Keep that one on the watch list. Claude, what do you make of PropTech Group? Have you, has this one come across your desk before? Oh, yeah, like absolutely. This is the kind of business that I always look at. And in fact, I've owned this on two occasions before. Um, I sort of I rode the initial ride up from about 40 cents to 70 cents or something. And then um, I also bought back in at around 60 cents. Uh, look, basically just because, you know, the, the thesis was that it is uh, getting a little bit of organic growth. I think one thing that if you have that picture we've just talked about, you might get the impression uh, that it's a better quality business than it is. Basically, yes, they have a lot of market share but they've uh, in Australia, but they've largely built that by acquisition. Um, so, you know, brought together... Um, some stuff they acquired from Domain and another company called Eagle Software has added in another 7%. So that's how they've got their market share through acquisition of a, and putting together a few different companies, you know, an older on-premise software company and cloud software companies to the real estate agents. So it's always definitely you got to note that when it's not, they're not getting, you know, demand pull because their product's so good and, and people can't wait to get on that product. It's just that they have them, they've put them there, they're tacking them all together. And they're, you know, aiming to therefore, I guess, have a bit more scale, a more efficient organization. They can move it all to the cloud. They can make it more recurring revenue. They'll make it look like a better business. And you might see a re-rate from there. So I definitely think there's probably some upside on valuation. Of course, the question is, why did I sell? Well, look, I basically sold because um, the company was making some decisions uh, about their expenditure on you know, various like uh, non-operating matters like investor relations that I just didn't, I don't agree with those decisions. And, you know, it seemed to me having been in touch with them that they're going to stick by those decisions. They don't agree with me. I don't agree with them. To me, it's so close, you know, it'd be something that I would like to own, but I'm just looking for that combination of the business I want to own plus the same, um, seeing eye to eye with management there with the same strategy and agreeing with the approach that they take. Um, you know, with respect, I don't agree. So, you know, for me, I'm just going to let that go for other people. I might try and jag a trade. Like, I'd be more interested to trade it on the chart like Carl on this one because it doesn't fall into that bucket for me where I want it as like a long-term holding because I just won't have the confidence when it's going down and if something goes wrong, I'll, I'll be spooked out. So I try to avoid that just because I know my own psychology. So for me, you know, at the moment, it's... Um, probably a hold or a sell and I don't really anticipate buying back in myself but having said that you could totally imagine it getting re-rated to a higher multiple of revenue um, if it just proves out some organic growth which I think it probably there's a good chance of doing mm -hmm. so you know if you, if you if I can like get a really good entry if it's cheap enough I'd probably be tempted um, having said that you know if something happens like their organic growth is quite good I could definitely imagine myself jumping on then as well. But for the moment, it just doesn't quite make it in, like it's not everything I'm looking for. Okay, cool. I'd be one I'm gonna have to circle back on and have a closer look. Guys, we're at the halfway mark, so let's do a quick summary. We started off stock of the day, Ava Risk Group. Uh, that got a tick from Claude, a hold from Carl. Super Retail Group was next. Uh, we got a, uh, a buy for, uh, for Carl. Uh, very much putting that in the context, though, of uh, this isn't you know hyper growth investment, but probably a bit of value there at this point in time. For Claude, uh, again, some positive things to say, but just not enthused about the discretionary retail space at this point in time. So that one is a hold for him. Osteopore, a uh, little company doing some uh, work with uh, a bone um, uh, healing technology. Uh, that was a pass from both of our gentlemen. The cash flows there just not in investors' favor. A long and uh, no doubt arduous and difficult road to getting to full commercialization and nice fat cash flows. We wish them well, but uh, the guys aren't buying. Marley Spoon, that was a double pass as well from both of the gentlemen here. Some concerns over unit economics, acquisition costs, 
the lack of a moat, the chart not going in the right direction. So the guys just weren't excited with that one. Uh, Infratel was next. This one, there was a lot of positive things to stay on. Um, probably a little bit outside of the style for, uh, for growth investors like Claude and Carl, but both putting this as a hold um, it would be better if it was a little bit cheaper. And then finally, as you just heard then, we talked PropTech. Uh, a little company that uh, both of the gentlemen think are very interesting, but we just couldn't get a buy out of them. A hold slash sell from Claude, not seeing eye to eye with management on a few things. Carl really liking it, but wants to wait until the market starts to, uh, to uh, catch on to this one before he would take a nibble. So um, we didn't get any double buys in the first half, which means we're not gonna make any changes to our portfolio, which you know that we have been running since 1st of July last year, thanks to our partners over at NabTrade. All the stocks that do get a double thumbs up go into the portfolio. Anything else, we boot that out. And well, let's take a look at how we've been performing. We've ticked back into profit for the week, just up by 0.7 of 1%. The month down 1.6%, but financial year to date just shy of 8%, which is not too bad at all. If you wanna see what that looks like on a chart, well, there you go, bottom left, top right, not bad at all. Let's hope 2022 continues that very, very lovely trend. Uh, what's in the portfolio? Well, we've made a few changes recently in terms of additions. Healthco uh, was added in, Elmo Software, Vectian Technologies, Eboss Group, and Adairs. And of course, if you want to check out all of the moves, just head to that website. It's right on your screen at this point in time, uh, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Okay, let's crack on, shall we? And gents, just a, a friendly reminder here that we do have a schedule to stick to. Uh, Claude Webjet, this is a real. This is what makes this show hard, is because all these interesting companies come up, and there's so much to say. What about Webjet, Claude? This is this is something that really divides people, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think that again, that that sort of framework I offered earlier about the different kind of businesses um, in their response to COVID. You know, Webjet falls in that. Um, you know, you're just going to get wrecked no matter what, basically. Like, there's nothing they can do about it. So, you know, I was a long-term holder of Webjet. Uh, great business in normal times. Uh, they've got the, you know, the absolute fortress of the Webjet brand in Australia. And uh, that makes money just by click, like charging you an amount every time you do a booking. It's a small amount compared to the thousands you might be sending on flights. Yeah. and or even hundreds so it makes it easy to change their advantages you know that's a good business they've also got this web devs business which is more problematic where they're basically managing you know the inventory for a bunch of other little independent you know um travel agents and stuff like that who have generally got wrecked and also that that taps into a fair bit more business travel as well as you know there there's a lot of business travel in their business as well even though it is primarily leisure so basically you know as you can imagine just COVID's come along, these guys have seen their half-year revenue uh, drop down from a peak of about $217 million, uh, before COVID uh, down to as low as $22 million for um, the half. And now it's back up to $55 million, but it's still 75% down from its peak, okay? Wow. Yet, and yet, the actual market cap is like back up to almost where it was because it dives down, they raised capital at the bottom in a desperation capital age, which dilutes the number of shares. So even though you look at that share and you, that share price, you think, oh, it's still below where it was, but its actual market cap is basically back to where it was. So this to me is one of the most insane stocks on the market. And you know, people are gonna lose money. They're so lucky it's bounced basically. And yeah, it just falls into the category, like I said, you know, mm. they can't do anything about it. COVID's going to keep on wreaking havoc. Like, you're literally taking a bet that, you know, the developed world can come and manage COVID as well as possible and get us back to taking holidays as much as we did before. Well, you know, if you look at the shambolic response most countries have done to it, Australia is probably one of the best countries, right? But it doesn't matter. It's still going to affect international travel mm. massively. So yeah, just absolutely trying to push water uphill or something. Difficult yeah. way to make money. 
Yeah, I'm glad you went with water there too. Uh, Carl, um, <laughs> this is, Claude makes such a great point. I think it's something that uh, beginners will easily miss here. You're looking at the chart, it looks well down, but there's just, you know, there's twice as many shares or whatever it is at the moment. So that's yeah. that's really going to account for that. Do you share uh, Claude's views? Well, yeah, I mean, if you sort of read into sort of the, the, the background of the pressure they were under at the time and the uncertainty that was there, it was basically, you know, to do that capital raising or, or just oh, literally sure. not be here not not be here today so yep. you know you can whether you agree or don't don't agree i mean i don't think they had a lot of choice in doing it they raised to put it in perspective they raised 203 million new shares versus the 135 existing 135 million existing shares are massive yep. uh, they raised close to 500 million dollars uh, of which most of that's still in the bank and that's 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 the weird thing about this so most of that money is actually still in the bank because they've actually managed to get back to operationally cash flow positive in um, sort of the key segments pretty quickly. Um, That's impressive. The, yeah, this look. I mean, and this is the thing. Uh, look, the, 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 all that cash is there, but of course now you've got twice as many shares on issue. So whatever profits you do get down the track, you effectively got half as much um, as you had before. Mm. Um, so anyway, putting that stuff aside, you've got to look at the business going forward, not the business going part um, in the in the past. And we like the business and we've liked it for a long time and we've sort of, you know, championed it through this uh, COVID time as a buy. But I'm starting to get, you can probably tell my voice, I'm getting a bit tired by, mm -hmm. by championing this one as the buy because um, every time it starts to look good and we say, yeah, look, you know, you can buy it or, or hold on to it, uh, we get whacked with something around the world that say so the latest one is Omicron or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. restrictions, lockdown. So, yeah, it, it's 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 a tiring job being an investor in Webjet, but I think there's enough in it. I still think everything we've talked about, there's enough in it to hang on to it. Um, it's testing my patience, no doubt. Um, and if you've bought it based upon any of my recommendations in over the last uh, 12 to 18 months, hang on, hang in there. Um, I can't buy it though. I just can't buy it because the, the chart is not uh, looking good enough to, to put new money in. Okay. Yep, fair enough. Well, uh, Carl, let's talk Embertech instead. AMO is the ticket here. Rob wants to know uh, if you can review it, a supplier of audio equipment to the entertainment industry. Rob makes the point that prior to COVID, it was doing everything right. But uh, obviously, entertainment uh, industry uh, is one of the hardest hit there, and that's no doubt thrown a bit of a spanner into the works. Is this one to look beyond these current situation, or is like Claude was saying with Webjet, is there something is this something likely to hang around for a while and play havoc? Uh, no, I think I kind of went maybe the other way. I think um, if you look beyond COVID, you might be a bit disappointed. So uh, based upon my research in the company, they were losing money consistently for a number of years as a result of uh, COVID. And of course, the, this great need to upgrade your, your audio visual uh, infrastructure, they actually had a massive um, a second half of 2020. Obviously, if you think about um, when that was occurring, that was uh, you know, sort of six months after COVID. So people are realizing they need to do this. And then FY21 was was just extraordinary. Um, and the problem is, well, where do we go from here? So do we continue at that rate or do things settle down? And I'm probably more of the view that, well, a lot of the upgrades are done. There'll still be a lot of that in the system to come, but uh, we, we, you know, we won't go back to them losing money before COVID, but I don't think we're going to stay around those um, those massive COVID highs. So, mm -hmm. um, if you're looking at the valuation here and you're going, well, okay, it's um, it's trading on about about four times FY21 earnings, well, that's got to be cheap. Um, and your dividend yields about 10% because they started paying them again as a result of all this cash that they had lying around. Um, you might be disappointed because um, I, I think earnings are going to moderate and come down and it's more like six times next year's earnings and it might be more like 10 times the year after and there it might settle. Um, so look, there's a lot to like, but uh, not enough to get me really excited about the prospect. I think the chart kind of reflects it. I mean, it, it has had a great run uh, through 2021 on the basis of a lot of good news flow. But if you sort of look at their last um, updates, it's, it's just starting to show that that, that momentum is, is diminishing and therefore the chart is starting to turn around and diminish as well. So mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm yeah, I think we, we obviously we go buy, hold, sell. So I really do think carefully about what I say to people who are in this stock um, and whether there's enough in it to hold it. And, and mate, look, I'm going to say there is enough in, in it to hold it, but it's certainly not a buy. Yep, yep, fair enough. Uh, Claude, what do you reckon? Well, I actually have a, quite a bit of a history with this stock because um, what happened basically was that we did have that situation where all the stocks went down and this one was actually probably going to benefit from COVID because it means... Everyone's doing more broadcasts from their homes or from setting up more studios and that kind of thing. 
And now uh, it was extremely cheap. And look, I've just tweeted from the Rich Life account our co old, old coverage of AMO, um, Amatech, so you can see what I was thinking at the time. But, you know, basically what happened is that I bought this one um, when it was at a lower share price. I think, ooh, you're testing me now, but uh, perhaps around 20 or 15 cents or something like that, or 22 cents, actually, there it is. And then my whole gamble was that the fact that they had just bought Hills AV. And so they were combining two distribution businesses. My gamble was that this would create, you know, a bumper profit from them. And it would just be so cheap that the share price would have to go up. And, you know, that is indeed what happened. And you can see, and of course, I sold it early. So I sold it at like 30 something cents around the current price. And then it went up even higher because you have all the people on Hot Copper saying, oh, wow, look, this is a super low um, PE ratio uh, and high dividend yield. And what they've potentially missed, although they might be proved correct in the, in the fullness of time, is that, you know, this business is very going to be very lumpy and it just happened to have like the stars align. And previously it had been, you know, really struggling to make a profit. Then what happened is it got a little bit more scale and it had the tailwind in COVID. So it got a really great profit. That was never going to be sustained. However, the people in the market, because it's a little micro cap, you know, a few wealthy boomers can push this thing up 5% easily on their own. Um, so, or, or more really. So basically what you have is a situation where their recent announcement has said, hey, our profit for this half is going to be 2.7 to 2.8 million. And now that's actually less than the first half last year, right? So now... The boomers on Hot Copper are starting to realize, oh, the, the profits might not maintain. They could actually go down. So that's why it's sold back down to 30-something cents. I still don't really like it, but it has to be said, it's cheap. You know, that there's a point here for the real old-fashioned value investors. Like, they could be right. If they do 2.7 million this half, even let's say they do 5 million, you know, this thing's trading on 5 million for the full year, I mean. This thing's trading on probably like less than seven times earnings right so it is cheap and if it just maintains then it will be a good investment and i hope it does and that could totally happen however mm. i'm looking for setups to buy where like this the dice is stacked in my favor right i want to be able to see that it's about to have growth profit i'm a growth investor i don't want to get involved in these things that might go down so for me it's a no and that's i actually sold it around current okay. prices a while back now but um yeah it's still decent company all right cool so uh eight minutes left on the show guys three stocks to get through the next one uh an interesting one i'll put my actually i won't um i'm gonna start with you claude <laughs> what do you <laughs> otherwise these leading questions can be dangerous uh what do you think of alcidian alc is the code all right well i'll try to nail it quickly basically this is a uh you know a hospital software company that's operating mostly in australia and new zealand They've just won a big, their biggest ever government contract um, in Australia. And on top of that, they've just announced that they're raising capital at 25 cents um, with, a, with a capital raising to shareholders, so an entitlement offer. And they're doing that to buy another business in the UK, which will help them get more scale there. Now, to me, it looks like this acquisition might be a little bit on the pricey side, but the point is it strategically makes sense because it allows them to... Um, have a more wholesome offering where they're going to be able to bid for more contracts at the NHS trusts. And they are already in quite a number of NHS trusts. And they, they've been growing in NHS trusts in the UK. So, and obviously the need for these like efficient nurse call and, and, and hospital management systems is only increasing in the current environment. So tailwinds galore, the management has done a great job building this business from a mini, mini micro cap to where it is today. I could definitely see this company getting in the ASX 200. I hold shares personally, and my current intention is to apply for my um, shares at 25 cents that I'm being offered under the current entitlement offer. Okay, okay, that's that's a definitive buy. Carl, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think I think Claude likes that one. Um, I think you were about to say you like it too, Andrew. There, I got a sneaking suspicion, um, and I, I, was I like going it too. To say that, but it's, yeah, it's not good. Well, it's not good go. host form to say <laughs> such things. Well, it's unanimous. I think there's a, a, a great business there. And I, look, I, I won't add much to what Claude is saying, but just to put it into perspective, they, they do uh, hospital management systems. So to put it into perspective, imagine your old um, your old file chart on sitting in that folder holder thing at the end of the bed. Uh, turn that into an iPad app. 
I mean, just to put it into perspective, that's what they're going for. And imagine the, the, the scope and the scale of fixing that simple little problem. Um, and, and operationally, um, valuation, it all looks good to me. Great growth in the business. Um, I think it's worth quite a bit more than what it is uh, trading at now, around 25 cents. And I think um, that uh, capital raise is, is the main issue for the depressed share price. Um, I'm, I'm with Claude. I think if, if you're um, a shareholder, you know, take up your entitlement there. But you can see the chart. The chart is the big problem. So it's one of those, a bit like PropTech, where I really, really like the business, but I don't like the chart. So I have to say, if you've got it, hold it on the basis that I like the business, um, but I can't be a buyer here. And I just need to see that trend turn around. If it turns around, I'll be the first one to jump up somewhere and say, uh, rush out and buy it. Oh, you were heading so close to a buy there, Carl. No, it's not a buy yet. Yeah, I thought we had you. We, we were so close. Not a buy yet. Uh, well, I shouldn't say, unfortunately. What that means is that it's actually, it actually was in the calls portfolio until today. So, so it's out. But let me just oh, be clear for context here. This is, this is more of a timing thing. Um, <clears throat> let's move on. Let's go to something completely different. Um, something uh, that David has sent in, Poseidon Nickel. The ticket code here is POS. It does remind me of another acronym and maybe I'm being a bit too harsh to say that it is apt, but, but that, that might be cruel. Uh, Carl, I'll start with you. Oh, well, I think I reckon uh, as much as we agreed on the last one, I, I'm quite certain we're going to disagree on this one because I like Poseidon, actually. I know Claude's not okay. going to like it. I know you're not going to like it. Um, but, I, and it but within context, I think it's one of those risk money only bets. Uh, you're taking a small uh, bet on the basis that the downside is fairly limited uh, and your upside is, is, is quite substantial. And if it doesn't come off, um, then you've, you're going to do half of the small amount of money you put on it. If it does come off, it could be a three, four, five bagger. I don't think it's a 10, 20 bagger, but that's the order of magnitude. And the reason is, um, you know, current market capitalization, about 300 million. Uh, they've got a substantial deposit over here in WA. It's a little bit uh, east. Yes, east of Kalgoorlie. Um, it's a, there's a previous mine there. Um, so they've, they've got reserves. It's had production. They've just been sort of um, padding out those reserves. Um, it's on care and maintenance at the moment. The actual uh, big super pit there is full of water. And just saying that because there's lots of stuff they need to do to get this thing back in production and lots of money that needs to be spent. So I am going into this eyes wide open, but I do think that they will get up, up and running. I do think probably by the end of next year, first quarter 2023, they will be producing. And based upon the nickel price now and where I think the nickel price is going to be, because that's a, that's a wonderful chart. We don't have the nickel price on screen, but that is bottom left, top right. And I, and I, and I've, I see great things ahead for nickel prices. I think they're going to be making quite a bit of money um, out of it. So based upon, you know, future operating cash flows, you know, discounted cash flows that I've done, you know, pricing valuations, you know, I could see, I could easily see, you know, close to 30 cents is everything. Now that is everything went right for them. If everything went wrong, uh, they're currently 10 cents. It might go down to five cents. So from a risk yeah. reward perspective, I do think it's a buy. And the chart is actually picking up to reflect everything I've said. Yeah, yeah. And some good context there. I mean, I, look, there's some pre personal prejudices that, that often keep me away from these things. But as, as we always say, how about, show, how about three, three billion shares on issue, Andrew? How about that? Three billion. Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Um, but yeah, I mean, it goes to show you the devil's in the detail there. So some really good color there, Carl. Thank you so much for that. Claude, what do you make of it? Well, I think that Carl uh, has, you know, done a very good job and I love being on the show with him because he can uh, talk about these mining stocks in so much more detail than I can. He did steal one of the points I was going to make there, though, which is that, you know, if you look at the long term stuff, the what has increased more than anything else is the number of shares on issue. And I would expect that that's probably going to happen even more based on what Carl was saying. They have, I think, 28 million in cash at the moment. So, you know, I think they'll probably need to raise capital again that makes this one uh, too risky and, and very not attractive for me, but I'm no expert in the actual, you know, the mine resource that they have. Yeah, yeah. And I guess for those people that are out there, I guess that'd be in my encouragement to do what Carl's done, actually look at what their operations are like, where they're at, what's the runway like. I think too many people uh, new to investing will make a simple, they'll draw a simple line between, hey, nickel price is going up, these guys are involved with nickel, ergo, I buy. And unfortunately, investing is a little bit trickier than that. So uh, yeah, bear all of that in mind. Let's get to the lucky last one today. Jeremy has sent in a, a little stock called APM Animal Health, which is a veterinary, uh, rural veterinary business, about 50 clinics, as I understand it, Claude. I didn't have a chance to look too deeply at it, but it, it smells as though it could be a bit of a roll-up play. Am I right on that? 
Yes, absolutely, Andrew. It is a roll-up. It's a roll-up of those rural vets, so I guess it's um, quite leveraged to the health of our farming communities. And uh, basically, the um, profit is running at about five million a year, a little bit over five million a year, and that's putting it on a fairly chunky uh, PE ratio for a roll-up. So, of course, that means the market's expecting it to continue to buy more and more businesses at attractive prices. Now, with a dividend yield of a little under 3% and a PE ratio of 20, it's not really priced attractively for a roll-up. Generally, you want to get a roll-up in the early stage at a low price, and you're either looking to a high dividend yield or you know, a high potential for them to grow quickly from a low base. So for me, yeah. it's an avoid, uh, but it's not a terrible company either. Yeah, I mean, look, they they do get um, a bit of a beating roll-up plays because historically they don't often work out that well. But you're right, when they do work out, they work out quite nicely. Kelly Partners Group is probably a good example of that in recent times. But Carl, what, what do you make of Apium? Is this one one to keep an eye on? Uh, yeah, look, when, when I do the research and I'm on with Claude, I know I'm going to, I look at roll-up and I know he's going to poo-poo it. And <laughs> I don't mind roll-ups. Hey, BHP's a roll-up. CSL's a roll-up. You know, there, there, there are lots of roll-ups out there that have had um, great success. And, you know, I, look, I think there's there's a lot to like in this one. They're going well. They're growing well. I don't think they're particularly expensive. Um, you know, 20% growth over the next uh, three FYs. However you can get it, you know, just get it, I say. Um, the valuation is very attractive. I, we've got a, uh, I did the um, DCF on this one. We came up with a dollar and three, so 20% upside, 3% fully frank dividend yield. On the fundamentals, it's an absolute yes from me, um, but more for your longer-term value slash income investors. I think they're, they're the ones who are best suited to this. The only problem is the chart, and the reason I think the chart is looking quite ugly at the end there. I mean, broader trend is up, and that's why uh, that's consistent with my thesis of buy for longer-term investors. Um, a lot of shares are coming out of escrow. Now, here's the problem I do have with roll-ups, is that um, dotted along the timeline will be these um, escrow, uh, release of escrow notices that viewers are going to see, and they're probably going to look over them and don't think they're important, but they are important because those shares are coming from the people uh, who own the businesses who are rolled up. And they do have to sell at some stage and they will want to sell because they want to pay their expenses and, um, you know, your BMWs and things like that. Um, and and uh, quite a bit of stock has come out over the last month or so. And that is, I believe, what is depressing prices. So there's an exact correlation between uh, when the stock is hit and that downturn in prices. And because it's such a thinly traded stock, it could take quite a while to work through that supply overhang. But I think there's enough in the business. Uh, to hold it if you've got it, and maybe somewhere down the track when the chart does to start, start to turn up if I'm not on to buy it, but the hold for me. Okay, fantastic. Let's do a bit of a summary of the back five here. And uh, as you know, we started off with Webjet. That was a, a pretty strong avoid um, from Claude. Uh, he's not really seeing any light at the end of the tunnel in terms of uh, COVID. And you know, this business has, has recovered a little bit from the depths, but still got a long way to go. Carl, uh, more positive towards it, but not, not so much so that he would buy it. So he paid that down as a hold. Uh, in fact, when it came to Ambertech, the next company on our list, this was a hold from both gentlemen here. There is a lot to like, according to Carl, but uh, he's not that excited where it is at the moment. Claude uh, making some comments about it ostensibly being cheap, but there are other factors there that would just prefer to keep him and his money away from this particular stock. Uh, we then talked Alcidian, uh, was in the portfolio for the call, just got kicked out. Uh, Carl liking it, but wanting a better entry position. Claude uh, owning it and liking it uh, it was a buy for him. Let's go to Poseidon Nickel. Uh, this is a company that uh, Carl's actually looked at in a bit of detail here. So there is reason to expect that operations will get going again soon. And if that happens, they'll, they're in a, a pretty good spot. Carl really making note here of the asymmetric outcome. Could be wrong as with any investment advice, but if it is, there's, uh, there's less to fall than there is to gain if, if things go right. Claude, fair to say, not his cup of tea when it comes to the style of investment. So it was a sell for him. And then we got to Apium. Uh, again, similar comments there when it comes to the Claude's views. Uh, doesn't really like these, these kinds of plays. It was a, a sell for him. Uh, for Carl though, it was a buy. In fact, the valuation there, a good 20% above the current price. Uh, and if you're a long-term value-oriented investor, wonder chuck on the watch list. Gentlemen, that takes us to the end of the show. We made it. Not just for the end of the show, but for the end of the year. Thank you so much for, yeah. for both of your time. Thank Happy you, Andrew. Thanks, Claude. It's been, uh, yeah, been lots of fun uh, all throughout the year. Thanks, Osbys, for giving us uh, this, uh, this, uh, this great uh, podium as well.
Yeah, awesome. Uh, Merry Christmas to both of you. Thank you, mate. There we go. That's it. We are done and dusted. Well, we are off for a little while, but of course, we will still be receiving your emails and your tweets. We, as I said, 10 stocks a day, five days a week, you know, 50 odd weeks a year. We've got a lot to cover here and we need your help. We want to talk about the stocks that are of interest to you. So let us know. And I always say too, a little, little inside tip here. If you want your, a better chance to uh, have your question addressed, give us a little bit of uh, color, if you will, around that. What is it that's caught your eye? Are you a holder? What is it that you like? What is it that you're concerned about? Always gives our hosts a bit more to go on. So the address to write into is the call at Osby com.au the twitter handle is at ozbiztv remember to to head over to our website ozbiz.co forward slash portfolio you'll see that very excellent portfolio may 2022 bring a lot more gains gains on that front but that's it i'm out thank you so much for your time and i look forward to seeing you in the new year happy christmas